Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I like him a lot. I've seen him thinking four of or your, five times over a 10, 12-year period. Now thinking about your health, can we address something that's on the uh, the armoire here in, uh, here in the <laughs> dining room? <laughs> Why? I come in this morning, Nigel, and I look up. He thinks it's a packet of potpourri. Yeah, I'm like, is that potpourri up there? No, that's an eight-pound bag of gummy bears. Gummy bears. Haribo. <laughs> a giant bag of Haribo gummy bears that I'm getting ready to open when I get through my dark russet potato chips. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. You didn't think I'd be obsessive-compulsive disordered on some things and not others, did you? No, no, no. But do you I go have- color by color? No, I don't go color by color. I take handfuls I'm at a savage. time. You know, I'm okay. I don't mind them touching because they're all the same. Right. The colors so, are irrelevant with a Haribo big pack like that. It's very good. Um, Ann Hornaday is waiting to talk to us, and we will get to Ann in a second. I just want to go through a, a couple of pieces of business. I want to thank Tamara Graham from Springfield, Illinois, biggest um, Broncos fan in the world, who sends, you know, as always, cashews and peanut brittle and stuff like that to the entire crew, which is great. Yes, thank and you, she Tamara. says, I know you haven't been kind to my Broncos this year. I'll try not to take it personal. Well, and then P.S. The Mitch Album Show was spectacular. The Broncos stink. <laughs> you know, come on. My job is to sort of try and be objective on this. Also, the Grey Cup is set. I got this from David Honstein. Uh, the Grey Cup is set. It's today. Ooh. Today or tonight, I guess, in Hamilton. Will the defending Grey Cup champs, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, win it all again? Or will the Hamilton Tiger Cats overcome and win it all? I'd like to know who T-Boy is going to take. I'm also interested in what Reginald has to say. Is Chuck Todd going to put down some real money on the game? My guess is no. <laughs> Jeff Ma might have some insight to the game. And, of course, James is going to make it a double play. The chat you had with Mitch Album was great. I hope you can have more of those fireside chats, for lack of a better term, with other people. We'll try to do that. But I wanted people to know that if they have nothing to watch tonight... Go get Canadian television and sure. watch. Although that'll probably be on ESPN somewhere, I would think. And one more from Peter Jennings. Not that Peter Jennings. Delighted to hear you aced your stress test. I'm indeed a proud member at Old Town. Recently rated the 92nd best course in the world by Golf Magazine. You're welcome here anytime. Would be delighted to host you and Michael. Your esteemed cardiologist and his family are welcome too. Coach Jerry Haas is ready to give you all a tour of the best-in-class Arnold Palmer Golf Center on Wake's campus. I'm also a member of Sedgefield home of the Wyndham Championships and birthplace of the Atlantic Coast Conference. We can play there as well, standing by for further instructions. Michael, who said well, he's not, I don't know if he's a member. At Why all. would I know where he's a member? Well, you said something about Old Town. I, I think I missed his Peter club Jennings number, though. I was looking to go out for lunch. <laughs> I said I, I thought Peter Jennings was a member there. Not that Peter Jennings. Anyway. All right. Ann Hornaday is with us. And, and let, me, let me set this scene by also saying this. I got this note from Chris Cohn, who writes, not that Chris Cohn, writes about, about Anne's review of Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. A truly extraordinary review. Her facility with words astounds me regularly. But stroll down the comments section, you will see this. Thanks, Anne. Because you like the movie, I'll be able to get my husband to see it like she's a ring, which I think is a very great comment. So I'm going to set this up by saying, as I've said many times before, West Side Story is the greatest musical ever written. For stage and the greatest musical ever filmed. It's not even close. Well, it might be close with Hamilton, but in my mind, at my age, it's not even close. As Michael can attest, he was playing some of the soundtrack outside. It's imprinted on my brain, in other words, to every single song. It cannot be made better in my mind. I don't understand why it's being remade. It's available to everybody. It's great. Great doesn't even get it. 
All right. And the people who made this show and then were involved in the movie because this was their work. Jerome Robbins, probably the greatest choreographer ever in American dance. Leonard Bernstein. Right. How was he? How was Lenny? Was he any good? <laughs> Stephen Sondheim. Could he write a lyric or two? Could they like these were young, brilliant people at the time who coalesced around the American retelling of Romeo and Juliet. That's what it is. It's, it's not original. The plot's not original. It's Romeo and Juliet, but it is set in New York City. And, and I, having been appalled by things like the Manchurian Candidate Ugh. remake, which is awful. Dreadful. You know, or Taking Pelham 1, 2, 3, which is okay, but it's not as good as the original. I said, no, keep your hands off this. This is my long-winded way of leading into Anne because you loved it. Tell me where I'm wrong or tell me what went right with it. Well, I mean, I don't think this isn't erasing the things you loved. It's iterating them. And I don't think there's, you know, Broadway revives shows all the time. They have a, they, it's called, you know, they have a whole Tony Award for Best yes. Revival. So, like, why yes. can't cinema, right? And mm. I agree with you that usually... There's no reason whatsoever to remake a masterpiece. You, you remake the bad ones, guys. You know, those are the things <laughs> that need the help. But in this case, I actually do think that the themes of the film and the story um, are so resonant and so enduring that they do lend themselves to a modern-day tweak. And I, and I wouldn't even say reinterpretation. Look, Steven Spielberg is a classicist. He's never, ever going to mess with something just for the sake of it. So this is a very faithful um, adaptation of the story and the play and the movie that we all know and love, but with the help of the, I would say, the great Tony Kushner. And I mean, you mentioned Bernstein. Yes, and he's great. Great Robbins playwright. So I'm yeah. like, listen, I'd put Kushner right up there with those yes. guys in terms of a giant. Angels in America, yes. So when he, when he looks at that book and puts his just puts a few very judicious changes in. Um, that's interesting to me, and that's actually, that is worth doing. So here's what goes right. Number one, it's one of the most beautiful pieces of filmmaking I've seen all year, just the pure, just the pure aesthetics of it, just the camera work, the cinematography, the design, the color, the movement. I mean, you're talking about a director who's been at the top of his game for quite a while, but now... He's just lending that to a genre that I, you know, he's not done before, and it's the results are magnificent. The casting is fantastic. The two leads are really good: Rachel Zegler, Ansel Elgort, terrific kind of old school leads who 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 totally sell the young love. But to me, the story is in the supporting performances, and I'll just I'll, I'll pick out two. Um, Ariana DeBose, who plays Anita, is is revelatory and electric. And that's fabulous. the Rita Moreno role for those of you who saw it. Rita Moreno now ninety years old, by the Correct. way. Correct. That's the Rita and, Moreno role. And then here's the, the the headline to me: the person I couldn't stop talking about after I left the theater was a young man named Mike Faced, and he plays Riff, the head of that's the, the Russ Tamlin role. Every time he's on screen, listen, I'm telling you, Tony, he, he's fantastic. It, Whenever he's in a scene or on screen, he has this, you know, with the musical, the trick is the, 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 the play between fantasy and realism, right? Like, we have to believe yes. that these people can break into song. Burst into song and dance. Yes. Yes. 
and he gets it. You know, he is so natural and unforced and beautiful singer, beautiful dancer, great actor. He just, he's the whole package, and he has, he just brings that ineffable extra that, tells you this is something really special. Um, by the way, Rita Moreno is in this um, in a supporting role, and she has a scene that I thought was probably the most moving and the most, um, the most emotionally powerful and meaningful in the movie. One other thing I'll say that I think they made a really great choice about, I mentioned the modern-day resonances, obviously, with immigration and you know, racial tensions and tribal tensions and nativism. You don't need to underline and italicize all of that. And I think Kushner does a very good job of kind of pinging that without making it a billboard. But one choice that he and Spielberg made that I really respect is that they have the Sharks gang, the Puerto Rican gang, speak in Spanish without the benefit of subtitles. And again, it just lends the movie this very easy authenticity and grounded realism we don't need to know what they're, you know, we get what they're saying. We can, we can pick it up from context, but I just think it's an acknowledgement of some of the, uh, some of the limitations of those original, the original show and movie that was definitely coming from one perspective and, you know, in some cases otherized, you know, the, the Puerto Rican characters in a way that was unfortunate, but also very <laughs> typical of the time. And I just think it was, it's a grace note and um, a very welcome one. And again, I just, I just thought it was terrific. So. All right, Ann, we dropped out, so I, uh, I had asked all these questions, and I'll never be able to recreate them exactly, but I'll just get to this. The two questions that I think come up are, do you get the sense that the remake was done out of a political base more than the desire to make a musical because of the conditions that we face now? And two, does Steven Spielberg set himself up in any way as a moral th authority to lead you to a particular conclusion as opposed to just caring about the singing and the dancing? Well, my impression is that he has wanted to do this for a very long time. Um, so, no, I, you know, honestly, Tony, well, first of all, you could ask that question of, you know, the first, everything's political, you know, like I okay. love, you know, John Sayles always said, adventures in babysitting was political, you know, I mean, so that's, I, I really do try to stay away from that word because um, that's kind of, that's kind of folded into almost everything we do, you know, and so then it's just how are you, how do you make something with an awareness of the time and place that you're in, and how do you make it speak to, to the audience you want to reach, and to your, you know, the interesting thing about this movie is what we're all watching is who's going to see it, you know, is this a West Side Story for a new generation, will it introduce? Because, yes, you go and rewatch that 61 movie over and over again. Yeah. I do. I'm not quite sure, you know, how many, of, you know, how many Gen Xers or millennials do that. And so to the degree that this introduces a piece of work to a new audience, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, and in terms of his moral authority, again, I just, I just think he's an artist, and that's folded into artistic prowess. Um, I don't think he's setting himself up as any kind of arbiter. He's just bringing his gifts to bear on a genre he hasn't done before. You know, look, Robert Wise made the first one. He was a yeah. great yeoman, one of those great yeoman directors of yore, right, who could do anything. And, and Spielberg is in that camp where he just, I think he wants to try a little bit of everything. And that's how I take that's it. Fair. That, um, that's he fair. That's fair. He, and he does it in a smart way that's self-aware and acknowledges um, acknowledges the time, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. 
um, is the dancing still great? Yes. See, the, the thing about the movie that was so great is the dancing. You, you, it's not that you believe people would break into dance. It was the way they shot it yeah. from like the, da the ground up. Yeah. It was so physical. The dancing is so physical. It's not like Broadway dancing in a production number. Right. It's really different. It's muscular. It's physical. It made all the sense in the world. It, it's just tremendous. Is it still tremendous? Is the singing still tremendous? Because yes, these are the greatest I, lyrics that have ever been written. They, they are. are. And, um, and it's so meaningful that it's coming out now, just days after Sondheim dies. But yeah. yes, I thought it was... One of the things I'm really picky about with musicals is how... Um, how they're edited, and I just, it's like with a musical, you want the camera to let you see this freaking dancing, you know? It's like, don't yep. cut, don't yep. cut away, don't make the camera work the dance, make, let the dancers dance, and they do that here. I mean, they really, um, Janusz Kaminski, who's been his cinematographer for so long, has the, he does have wonderfully graceful camera movements, but then he'll rest, and he'll just let you take in the beauty of that dance. I think the dancing's fantastic, and frankly, the singing's better because it's not Marnie Nixon singing practically yeah. every role. You know, that's I mean, right. Rachel that's Zegler right. has a lovely, lovely voice. Very. That's lyrical, not Natalie Wood, kids. So Natalie Wood wasn't singing. That was she not was her. She was singing, but they. But I think they used. I think they did both. I think she yeah. sang, um, but then they, but then they dubbed Marnie Nixon in for a lot of it, and probably most of it. I so think I, she. I, anyway, yeah. which is and, and and she even has some of. I think they even. I even think some of. Um, Rita Moreno's stuff in the original ended up being some Marnie when she couldn't hit. I can't remember that story anyway. She, she did a lot of, you know, spot singing for, for things. Um, so here it's much more naturalistic in terms of everybody doing their own singing. So that, What that's I remember nice. most, and, and I do remember this, I remember that George Shakiris and Rita Moreno won Oscars. And I remember that that was sort of the last time I heard of either of them. That's probably my mistake on Rita Moreno, but I don't know what George Shakiris did. Russ Tamblin, never heard from him again. Richard Boehmer, never heard from him. You know, right till Twin Peaks forty years later. Right, right. I wonder if you know. I wonder if there's a West Side Story jinx. You know what I mean? That this will happen again. I don't know. I mean, I honestly feel like I think I think Mike Faced is a genuine discovery here. I mean, I'm sure he's worked before, but I just think like that kid's that kid's going places. Yeah. Um, you know, Ansel Elgort is already kind of arrived. I don't, you know, um, and Rachel. Yeah, I don't see there's any curse here. I think this is a this is a really um, exhilarating introduction to these people and. Look, I mean, it's like, it's really interesting to me how many musicals we've seen this year when you think about In the Heights and Tick, Tick, Boom with Andrew Garfield on Netflix and, um, I, you know, Cyrano that's coming out in a few weeks with Peter Dinklage. I don't know if you've watched Schmigadoon. Wonderful, charming series that streamed this year. So there might be a revival going on here. Um, so these kids so, have a, I think these kids have a future. You want me to see it? I, I'm so, so I skeptical. Listen, I'm so skeptical. You know, I get where you're coming. You know, I don't, I, I'm not going to, I'm just saying, if you see it, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Okay. I, I, you know, I think you'll feel that it's been done, done justice. And I think you might even see things you, that are new and um, worth valuing. And you can still love the one you love. Yeah. And if you're not with the one you love, love, love the, the one, one you're with. You with. <laughs> 
Thank you, Ann. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Ann Hornaday, boys and girls. Uh, We will take a break. What do we have next on the show? Jason. Jason Lockenfora. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X Chair Read. It's the holidays and you deserve a gift. How about a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every day all year long? A gift that looks as good as it feels and a gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productive you will be at work. I'm talking about giving yourself the gift of an X chair. I think you'll find it to be the most comfortable and ergonomic chair, not economic, ergonomic chair (laughs) you've ever used. And honestly, it will also probably be the coolest looking piece of furniture you own. I'm sitting in one right now for those watching on News Channel 8. I love this X chair. Not only is the X chair the world's greatest office chair, but with its patented Elamax technology, it doubles as a massage chair and can either cool or warm your back. Can your office chair do that? I don't think so. <laughs> Now's the perfect time to purchase an X chair. Buy early, buy now. And here is X chair's holiday gift to you. Save $100 off your X chair just by purchasing it at xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X, the word chair, T-O-N-Y, Dot com. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. So go to xchairtony.com and save. xchairtony.com. Use the code, people. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song from a band called Listening Party, a Milwaukee band, an Americana band that the writer, Joseph Reed, has become friends with after a few years of following them around Wisconsin. He writes, I'm always amazed at the level of talent that exists in the background of the popular music scene. There's so many great performers that have not been discovered yet, and I think Listening Party fits that description. Um, This is a song called Backroads from Listening Party. We will play them again later in the show. And we are always grateful for people sending in music with permission from the artists, of course. Yes, that's... As we often say, you can't send in... Uh, Paul McCartney playing Long Tall Sally. <laughs> you can't do it. Unless Paul's got to send it. Yeah, unless your name's Paul McCartney. Yeah, yes. All right, he plays in Jason Lockenfora of his own fabulous radio show and CBS Sports. And I'll start with the obvious question. Is there anything that we learned last night from the Vikings and the Steelers except that they again played another close game? Jeez. This is 12 this year for the Vikings decided yep. by eight or fewer points, which is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, when they're up by 29 and they roll up 300 yards in the first half, um, there's certainly a part of you that feels like over. I have seen all I need to glean out of this football contest. Uh, but yeah, then there's the you know hold my beer part and crazy stuff happens, and it's the Mike Zimmer Vikings, which means it ain't over till it's over. Um, and they got off the mat, and the Steelers did, and. Almost pulled that thing off, uh, but I mean, if you're if you're talking big takeaways, you, you, if, and if you watch the Steelers with even, a, a, you know, just paid a little bit of attention to them twice in the last five days, they are one thing with T.J. Watt. They are a completely different thing without T.J. Watt. Um, he is as influential as any player in this game, regardless of position, regardless of what side of the ball you're on. He went from absolutely dominating a game against a division foe that they had to have um, and a team that finds ways to win every week, even though they're not a great team by any stretch of the imagination in the Ravens. But they they had no answers for him. Three and a half sacks, a forced fumble, 
three other tackles for a loss, six quarterback hits, 12 pressures. He won the game for them in a lot of respects. And then he's clearly not himself. He's in street clothes with a groin injury. And they, they give up 300 yards in the first half. Yeah. And it's not just the sacks, Tony. It's it's the rushing yards. Um, people fancy the team, the, the Ravens, as a team that can run the ball. I mean, their running backs combined for 57 yards against the Steelers five days ago. In, in no small part due to Cam Hayward and and T.J. Watt and what they do setting the edge and, and, and getting uh, push and and stopping running plays before they start. Wasn't a whole lot of that going on last night with Dalvin Cook back. Um, you know, the Vikings will probably lose in a week or two to a bad team because that's what they do. Yeah, um, and the Steelers in a very deep AFC um, where 8 and nine's not going to be enough. Uh, that, that's a devastating loss for the Steelers because the rest of their schedule is pretty tough, and they're probably going to lose at least one more game beyond this. And that's probably going to be enough to keep them out of the postseason. I had written down as a question, forgetting when I started writing the questions down that Pittsburgh was playing last night, I'd written down, do you believe in either Pittsburgh or Seattle because they won last week? And, of course, I don't believe in either of them, and this this confirmed it. I really don't believe in Seattle at this point. So let me move on, and let me go local. It's fascinating that for the second year in a row, the Washington football team late in the season is relevant. Yes. It's fascinating to me. It is. And and the matchup they have – uh, against Dallas, just on the quarterback level alone, is David and Goliath. That yeah. really is. I yeah. mean, Dak Prescott's being paid forty million dollars. This other kid, yeah. you know, was was a, a grad math student last yeah. year at Old Dominion. In a league that nobody even remembers what the hell it was called. Yeah. yeah. What do you make of it? What do you make of that? Um, I think I think Washington certainly has a chance uh, when you can run the ball and you can play defense this time of year. Um, and you can do it with some level of consistency, and we're now going over a month where they can can do that. Um, it makes you viable. And the quarterback, look, he's he's not um, he's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. He's not he's not going to dominate for four quarters. He he just needs to run around and make a few plays and not be a double agent. You know, just limit the turnovers and and do what you do um, outside the pocket improv. When things break down, you know, five to seven times a game, if you can win those plays, if, if only one of them at worst is an interception and the other four or five are winning plays and everything else holds with what you're doing running the ball and how you're playing defense, that's a ball game. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, is Dallas going to be too much from a talent standpoint? They might, but – they're pressing a little bit. Dak Prescott, it's been a minute since people were talking about him as an MVP. I know they're getting healthier. They're getting guys back um, on defense and offense. But it, it may take them a little bit to fit back in, to get their sea legs under them, all that stuff. So uh, I think Washington can muck this up, make it kind of ugly, play it at their pace, and, and have a chance to win at the end. Nobody goes to their games. No. Nobody goes. Now, people will be there. Dallas travels well. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will be there this week. But is the league concerned about this? This was a preeminent franchise. Nobody goes to the games. Tony, there's raw sewage falling on people. Uh, well, yeah, yes, there's that. In a suite. In a suite. 
I would say the chance that you may get feces on you is a pretty strong disincentive. That coupled with the parking situation and uh, yeah, yeah. there's only one way in and one way out and, you know, 20 years of uh, losing and unscrupulous behavior. I mean, I, I can understand why someone may not want to devote the time energy and money required to go out there and make it a six-hour expedition because when you factor in getting in and getting out, that's what it is. But, yeah, I mean, is the league, is the league concerned? Yeah. Um, sure, but – and they've been trying to incentivize the game day experience for quite some time. That's been a buzzword there at Park Avenue. But if you look at their global economic model and you look at how the sausage is made – I don't want to say that game day attendance is ancillary, but it's not. It's by no means the bread and butter. It's right. it's for optics. Um, you want to have people there because you want the allure of it's a tough ticket, and you want people to be motivated to have to you know do what they have to do to get out there. But when it, it's you look at these TV contracts, I mean, my inbox of my corporate email is overloaded with. Baltimore Ravens announced another gambling sponsorship. Minnesota Vikings mm-hmm. announced their official sports book. I mean, it's it's what's going on with the money there? What's going on with the new TV contracts? Ten years of labor certainty and 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 the cap going back up and ratings being off the the chain. That's you know, that's the machine. Um, for years, I think you've probably read in certain industry magazines in terms of, of within the sports industry about downsizing stadiums and maybe 35,000 to 40 is is ideal and every seat feels cozy and you know 10 years from now with all the technological advances that are being made and how we consume things at home are 80,000 people diehards really going to want to get off the couch um, and and deal with what you deal with at a stadium you know Eventually, nine times in the regular season, plus playoffs, plus maybe one preseason. I don't know. Um, it's not a great look, but nobody's losing sleep over it. It's, interesting. it's just interesting to me because having been a sports writer forever and ever and ever, yeah. I know that when you go to a game and it's full, you are totally more attuned. You're yeah. more attuned to the game. And when it's empty, you go, well, then what am I here for? Yeah. Why am I here? And, yeah. and, and it, it actually makes a difference. Live attendance makes a difference. And given that there's an owner here who is on thin ice all the time, this just seems like another nail. You know what I mean? That's what it seems oh, like to me. Look, it is a, it's a terrible look, but... You know, he, he hasn't been able to figure out his stadium Rubik's Cube. Um, he hasn't been able to solve that for a long time. Right. And I'm not sure that he's particularly close to it right now. And he needs to restore his covenant with his fan base across a lot of levels and giving them a reason to go out, even if the team has maybe turned the corner here a little bit. There's just, I mean, if you're sitting at home and you're the average person and you're just making one of those, you know, old list pros and cons, it's a lot of cons. A lot of cons. A lot of cons. All right, I'll move off that. Let me go to the last Monday night game uh, that New England looked so good in. What do you think Belichick thinks about what Sean McDermott said after the game where he said, is this, what is Bill Belichick? You know, oh, I'll make this he, into a yeah. Bill Belichick thing. What do you think? I think he just laughs at, you know, at the entire um, scoffs at, at, at that. And, uh, yeah, it fuels his fire, but uh, I don't think, you know, 
I don't think it's a big deal to him other than he gets some chuckles out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows he's in that guy's head, like he's in a lot of sure. people's head. Sure. And he can't wait to play them again in a couple weeks or whenever it is. Um, yeah. But that's a Bill Belichick dream scenario. I mean, as much as we think about Brady and Belichick together, but Belichick doesn't like quarterbacks, doesn't really want anything. Like no. Bill Belichick spent most of his professional career before becoming a head coach watching Bill Parcells uh, undress my buddy Phil Simms in, in, many, in, you know, in every way possible from a verbal standpoint, in any scenario possible. You know, you put up with the quarterback – because somebody's got to lead the other side of the field, but defense wins games. Defense, you know, defense in the run game. That's his, in his heart of hearts. If you gave him truth serum, I think he would say, "Yeah, I think I could win a game without a quarterback." And anyone out there that has a chance to do it. So <laughs> no, no, you, you know, like nothing. Like you're not going to bring him down off that cloud. Like, and he'll never show it. Like you won't see any difference in his demeanor. But like his inner football child is. Uh, as fed as he could ever be. That that was a dream scenario for him, and to be able to do it on national TV, and to be able to expose, you know, the your chief rival in that division in terms of who could actually, you know, who who could give you the best game on any given Sunday. That's a win across the board, um, you know. And I think it's also, in its own way, a little message to Mac Jones, you know, like. You're in the band, son, but you're not the band leader. You're not, you know, you're you're not the conductor. You might not even be the first horn. You're part of this, but we can do it a lot of different ways. We've been doing it here a lot of different ways for a long time. And, you know, lest you have any uh, delusions of grandeur or what you think your role might be in the playoffs, here you go. This is arguably the next best team in the AFC, the next best team in our division, and we beat them playing rugby, and we beat them soundly playing rugby, and we got in their heads. So I think that that was – I mean, Bill Belichick could not have – evil genius could not have constructed uh, a better subplot or a series of subplots than that. It's just so great to hear you say that. Plug your radio show for us. Uh, Tone, you can get more of, uh, of this top-class commentary uh, from <laughs> 2 to 6 daily. <laughs> On inside access. Actually, I save the best material for you, and then I just whatever's on the cutting room floor, I slump so together for four hours so on, uh, on Odyssey. No, so, uh, so two to six Eastern time weekdays on one hundred five seven The Fan in Baltimore, or you can check us out streaming www dot one hundred five seven The Fan or on the Odyssey app. Uh, we we do this time of year talk an awful lot of football, um, but uh, if, if you're listening today. You will get Jerry Aloysius Coleman's top ten pro tips for a first date. So that might come in handy for you this weekend. <laughs> Please tape it for me. Send it oh, to I, me. Yeah, yeah. No, Please I, I, look. I, I'm sure that Jerry Aloysius Coleman can offer you many life hacks. Yeah, uh, he can change. He could change the whole way you're living. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Talk Thank to you, you soon. Thank you, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you. Jason Lockin for he's the best, the best. We'll take a break. We'll come back hopefully with James Carville, certainly with Jeff Ma. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Framebridge read. Framebridge now a verb. Framebridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to custom frame everything that matters without ever leaving the house. From art prints and posters to the photos sitting on your phone, you can Framebridge, there it is as a verb, 
just about anything. This holiday season, Framebridge is the perfect way to give the gift they will actually want to receive. Don't just give slippers again. Give them something special, something only you could give. This year, gift better. There's gift as a verb with Framebridge. Go to framebridge.com, upload your photo, or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in physical pieces. Not don't mail in your thumb. We're not, don't, no, don't <laughs> Try not do to do that. that, yes. Preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. Michael has a gallery wall. Choose your favorite or get free recommendations from their talented designers. The experts at Framebridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece straight to you or anyone on your list. A handcrafted personalized gift from Framebridge starts at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, listeners to this high-quality podcast will get 15% off their first order at framebridge.com when they use my code, which is Tony K, which makes sense because that's who's doing the show. Order online at framebridge.com or stop by a Framebridge store to work with a designer in person if you're in New York, D.C., Atlanta, Philadelphia, Boston, or Chicago. Get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Just go to framebridge.com, use the promo code TONYK to save an additional 15% off your first order. Framebridge.com, promo code TONYK. For those people who didn't get it the first three times, framebridge.com, promo code TONYK. Use the code. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is a band called Listening Party from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This was sent to us by Joseph Reed. This is a song called I'll Be the One and it plays in Jeff Ma. Michael, if people want to send in their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. I wonder if they ever make it down to 9th Street to play at Milwaukee Brewing. Is that, that's... Who, Jim Hughes. Who, yeah, Jim Hughes owns that, right? Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, shout out to Jim Hughes and to Mr. Engelbrecht as well. Shout out to everybody in Milwaukee, Wisconsin that likes us. Those are the two. <clears throat> okay. So I, I did this with Michael during the week. I wrote him a, um, a text and I said, Jeff Ma is killing it again. I think Jeff was 3-0 and at that point. He finished 3-2. and But Jeff has never lost That's this right. year. Yeah. He's never lost. He's never been worse than 3-2. and He's 40-25. and Chuck Todd's way under 500. James Carville's way under 500. The monkey's over, but he's a monkey. <laughs> He's a monkey. He's only picking three a week because he's a monkey. Right. So he does. You're 40. Is this, is this a good year for you or is it a bad year for you? Because, in fact, on Bet the Process, you're telling people this is what we believe in and this is why we believe in it. 40 and 25 is like 60%, right? A little over 60%. What do you, how do you feel about that? I mean, it's, it's good for sure. But, uh, yeah. again, like I think, you know, you – this is all small sample size in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, again, like I, if I can go three and two every week, that's good. So, I mean, 40 and 25 over 60% is, is relatively yeah. unheard of for, for better. Um, I think if yeah. you told someone you were that, they wouldn't believe you. So, um, yeah, no, it's good. And hopefully we can keep it up. Andy Byer, the great Andy Byer, who I went to many horse races with, always went to the window. If he told the readers he was going to bet it, or they should bet it. He went and he bet it. Do you bet your own lines? Of course. I mean, okay, I don't good. put anything. I don't tell you anything that I wouldn't bet myself. I, okay. I, it's like not responsible. Obviously, that's like why would I? Why would I do that? I guess. 
So on this show, you're making a lot of money. If this was the, if these were the only picks you made, and I know they're not, but if these were the only picks you made, you'd be making money. That's great. I think. Yeah, no, it's 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 been a good season, and most people, I think, in the NFL this year, I feel like it's been a bad season for them. So I feel blessed going good. into the holiday season. Give us some picks. Okay, I'm going to take the Raiders plus the ten. Um, you know, Kansas City. They're sort of a strange team. I think everyone's waiting for them to to really bust out. They thought they had um, the offense was great, but they they seem to be. Um, not quite the same team they've been in the past. Uh, defense seems to be better, is definitely playing better, um, but is that predictive of going forward? So I, I just think the 10 points is too much um, for a Raiders team that is, is is certainly competent at this point. So you were not dissuaded by how they played against Washington, where they seemed to be flat? No, I mean, I think that's why you're getting the 10 points here. Yeah. I and mean, I think that's that's the... It's always the way it is when you when you uh, people overreact to what they've seen recently. So okay. again, ten points is a lot in NFL. Uh, I'm going to take Cleveland minus two and a half against Baltimore. I mean, what what did you think about the Harbaugh decision at the end of that game? I wouldn't have done it. I have the best kicker in football. I'd have let him kick the point, and I'd have won in overtime on a field goal from over fifty yards. That was my opinion at that moment. How about you? I mean, I think, you know, people said stuff like analytics and Tomlin made his comment like, oh, they're very predictable because they're always on analytics. But this wasn't, this was just simple, right? He just felt like at that point his defense was so beat up and he had lost uh-huh. so many defensive backs that he just didn't think that they could stop them and thought, you know, there was a greater fit than 50% chance that he was going to actually score there. So uh, I thought it was a fine decision. I mean, I, I just don't think that it was an analytics decision. I think it was simple, you know, analysis of his own situation. And I like Cleveland minus two and a half here because I think that ultimately that was a, a situation where Baltimore was telling us that they don't feel very good about their defense right now. And so I think that carries over to this week, and I think Cleveland minus two and a half is, is value. Okay, okay. I'm going to take your Washington football team plus the four and a half here. Um, I, am, I do feel good about how they're playing right now. Um, I think that in this game, um, getting those points um, for you know a team that's playing much better than they have throughout the season against the uh, Dallas team that that's sort of up and down. Obviously, played much better last week when they got um, all of their wide receivers back, um, but their defense has definitely been worse, um, and they're still a little beat up there. So I, I like Washington at home plus the four and a half. Okay, I would do that too. I think. I think. What else? I'm going to take Tampa minus the three and a half. Um, I just think they're a better team than than the Bills. I think the Bills are sort of, you know, they they were the darlings, right? They of this year, and then they they came in, and well, I guess that line's. What do you guys have the line at? Three or three and a half? We go at three and a half as well. Okay. Three and a half. So Buffalo plus them, three and a half. I'll take the yeah. T- Tampa Bay minus three and a half. As I said, I mean, I, I just think they're a better team. Than Buffalo and at home, and Buffalo coming off that sort of tough, tough, tough game against New England, where they really, really got beat up um, a lot on the line. Um, I think Tampa will run; um, they'll be able to score, and I just don't think Buffalo can be, can beat them here. I, yeah, I mean, you use the word overreact a lot, and I wouldn't want to overreact, but that's a tough loss. They got, you know, Belichick said, I'm going to run it and I'm going to keep running it until you can stop it, and you couldn't stop it. You know, that is that is a soul-searching situation, right, Jeff? It has to be for a player. 
Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, 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 you know, I'm not sure. Um, you know, there was a lot of that talk about like Belichick taking this role and just keeping the run, run, run. Um, and I, you know, Buffalo that press conference where they were pretty upset about the questions yeah. about. Yeah. Like, you know, they didn't they didn't give up that many points, but I mean, again, no, like, it, it would be interesting. It's a it's a short week. It's really the thing, and and that had to have been a very you know brutal game for them. I mean, New England ran a lot of plays, ran a lot of plays on the ground, and and. You know, I, I think it's just more the physical toll than the mental toll. Okay. Short weekend going on the road. That's tough. Tough combo. Yeah. And playing against a really good team. Got another one for us? I'm going to take the Bears plus the 12 and a half. Whoa! Um, <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I, it's just a lot of... Sorry, I got invaded by my son. <laughs> I got... Uh, I'm to take the Bears plus the 12 and a half here. You understand that Wilbon would say you're crazy for doing this, <laughs> that Matt Nagy's the worst coach in the world, and that Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. Uh, yeah, I, I I know that, but again, that's why we're getting twelve and a half and twelve and a half. So, and the no. Bears are Bears are playing better on defense, and I think you know I, I like here, so I think he can against this Green Bay defense. Uh, your phone is breaking up. Your phone is breaking yeah, I'm tr- up. I'm, I'm running it's okay. You're, running you're juggling children right and a phone call. It's okay. It's okay. Go have breakfast. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Uh, thank you, Jeff. Jeff does bet the process with Rufus. And as I said, Jeff wins all the time. Thanks, Jeff. We'll talk next week. Thanks, Tony. Bye. Jeff Ma, boys and girls. Surprised he didn't have uh, action on the Grey Cup with the Blue Bombers giving three and a half against the oh, Tiger Cats. Is that what Cats. it is? It's, yes. They're giving three and a half. And also Army-Navy was surprised he didn't take that one. Army giving seven at Navy. It's at Navy. Yeah, that's. What, that's they what, don't usually play it at. Oh, the it's oh oh it's not it's not it's not one of the other. It's usually in Philadelphia. Oh, it's a neutral. Oh, it's a neut- oh that's right. It is. Yeah. Well, so then it's are Army. you sure it's at Navy? No, no. It was just the way it was. It was written. It looked like it was at Navy. Before we get out of here, and we will have jingle and email when we return. Yes, that's correct. I just wanted to read this one thing. I can't vouch for this. It's from Douglas Rappin. R a p r a p p i n. Okay. He said to withhold his last name, but I didn't. He says, long time, first time. (laughs) Intrigued by your recounting of the Washington Post story concerning Pseudorite, I decided to run a little test of my own. I'm fairly computer savvy as a professional animator, visual effects artist, and I'm constantly trying to find, or rather being asked to find, the correct balance between the artistic intention of the director and the time savings from out-of-the-box computer solutions. Though I was surprised to find the Pseudorite startup and user interface to be incredibly straightforward. I entered in the text describing your podcast from your website. Now, full disclosure, I didn't even know we had a website. I've never seen the website. I don't know where it is or what it is. Somewhere on the interwebs. But it says, Tony Kornheiser is one of the most recognizable and outspoken commentators in sports and entertainment. The Tony Kornheiser show, available with original episodes, publishing every day Monday through Friday, is now exclusively on demand. Kornheiser is joined by longtime regulars from the world of sports, politics, and news, as well as a wide array of special guests that his longtime listeners have come to expect. Is that what it says? Sure. In other words, you don't know. You said sure. This so is quickly. five years old. Okay. And the computer returned. The Tony Kornheiser Show launched in 1993 on Washington, D.C.'s WTEM, a sports station owned by Jerry Bruckheimer. Was it owned by Jerry Bruckheimer at the time? <laughs> I, didn't think it I don't was. think so. In 2003, the show moved to ESPN Radio. Since then, it has become the most downloaded sports talk program in the country and also airs on television on ESPN and Masson. In 2010, Tony Kornheiser debuted two daily podcasts available on ESPN Pod Center. 
I don't know how much of that is true. <laughs> not all of that is true. Not all of that is true. Not all of that is true. Yeah. But it would be nice if we were the most downloaded sports talk <laughs> program in the country. <laughs> it would be great. I then re-entered both paragraphs together and the computer returned. Tony Kornheiser's iconic style of commentary has made him iconic. one of the most recognized sports and entertainment commentators in the world. He has held several recurring roles on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, on ESPN, and on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. In addition to his hosting duties, Kornheiser is a best-selling author and has written columns for a variety of publications, including The Washington Post, The New York Times, and The Huffington Post. Tony Kornheiser is an avid art collector and has an extensive collection of Warhol's tomato soup can paintings. Almost none of that is true. Did you write this yourself? Almost none of that well, is true. It's the artificial intelligence. Thought this anecdote might be of interest. This is not to discount the awesomeness of the technology, which is only sure to improve. Who would ever use it this way? And it said, if uh, I'll leave any further editorializing to you, I would like, however, to close this email by nominating myself as the official animator. The Tony Corners show if that position has not yet been filled. And of course, it has not yet been filled. And <laughs> yes. now it's filled. Yes. But an extensive art collection. Well, you do have all those Andy Warhol, you know, I have none of those. <laughs> I have been on, Mike and I have been on with David Letterman, and we have been on with Jimmy Kimmel. But we've never been on with Jay Leno, and we've never been on with Jimmy Fallon. And I've never written for the Huffington Post. <laughs> never. Yeah. I, I, so I... You do have an, an extensive collection of original Carol Kornheiser paintings. watercolors. I yes. do. I do. But I just, you know, I don't know. That that's that my position odd. is I don't know. <laughs> well, Email it was written it, by a computer, so it must be true. Yeah. Well, Email and jingle when we return. I'm I think I'm Tony Kornheiser. <laughs> You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. It's the closing of the show. The closing of the show, my friends. Let's toast him with our drinks. He's crashed another year away, and the show we love still stays. Very good. That's Biff God, not Bill. Biff, like in Death of a Salesman, Hap and Biff. And he writes, after successfully getting a jingle on the show last year, I thought I'd strike while the iron is hot with a new jingle a full year later. It's very good. Well done, Biff. Very, very good. Thank you. Oh, you want to do the Bethesda Bagels in? Yes, please. Uh, Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. All right, that's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, and I'm looking at this. I don't know this tune. Oh. Oh, well, I got a gal with a record machine. When it comes to rocking, she's the queen. We love to dance on a Saturday night all alone where I can hold her tight, but she lives on the 20th floor uptown. The elevator's broken down, so I'll walk one, two, three, flight, four, five, six, seven, flight, eight, flight, more. Up on the 12th, I'm starting to drag. 15th floor, I'm ready to sag. Get to the top, I'm too tired to rock. I don't know the song. That's 20 Flight Rock by Eddie Cochran. 
Don't know it at all. And it was famously uh, the song that Paul played for John as sort of his impromptu uh, audition. Oh, okay. And and because he played that, and, and John was like, oh. Eddie Cochran, more famous for other things. Yes, yeah. yes. But apparently that was. Uh, I, okay. I thought, I really thought you really thought you might go for some West Side Story today. <laughs> probably from should. each son. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to our guest today. From tomorrow. And to Hornaday. Tomorrow. Jason Lockham for Def Ma. Thanks to today's sponsors, Framebridge and X Chair. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. Very nice. Let me get to some. Oh, fancy. promo code uh, TK Mint. TK Mint. Dad is rocking the Dearborn is... Cashmere hoodie today. I am. Yeah. It's really nice. Looking sharp. Looks like perfect that. for a long winter's drive. When I yes. when I put it on and put the hood on my head, at my age, how pale I am, I actually look like the angel of death. <laughs> I actually do. From John in Albany, it's emails like the one you read on Friday from Betsy Jaffe and the long-lost phone call that make every single segment of the show worthwhile. Not only was her sentiment so poignant, but your very human response was why we like you and the whole team. And thanks to Nigel for the micro wave sounder. <laughs> the tissue is not just connective. Sometimes you need it to dab your eyes. P.S. Is there any better music in the past couple of shows than uh, Sean Sleeps Naked, Alicia Scott, and Michelle? Ah, uh, from Greg Habib, who is the mayor of the city of Goose Creek in South Carolina. Ah, uh, Greg. I've been around the show from Jerome the Caller and Andy Poley through the Game Picking Monkey. I felt the connective tissue personally, even given a hearty lachiserie to the choir director at Cane Bay High School. However, I still never knew what we were even doing here. This show stinks. Then I heard the Mitch Album interview, and now I know. Your skill as a journalist shine as you were the perfect host, and Mitch was such a joy to listen to. One of the best 50 minutes of radio and podcast I've ever heard. Thank you. I'm the mayor of Goose Creek, South Carolina. We're a city of 47,000 people just outside Charleston. And according to Money Magazine, the best place to live and raise a family in South Carolina. I'd be proud to be the official mayor of the Tony Kornheiser Show. Done. You got it. Maybe I could make a call to the Rehoboth Beach City Manager and get something done about your water bill. That would be nice. We also own a golf course. While it isn't Bethpage Black, it's a normal Muni, it is not a normal Muni goat track either. It's challenging and in great shape. You and Michael are always welcome. Isn't that nice? From sorry. Seth, were well, you pushing the microphone? Yes, yeah, sorry. From Seth Shainer in New Albany, Ohio. I wonder if you can visit Goose Creek for Christmas. The Friday show is what I would point to if I'm ever asked why I listen to this bald orange man talk all the time. The closing email of the show, Beth Friend reconnected with someone from the past. Got my eyes watering a little bit, even before you mentioned how it affected you. And then Nigel cut to the, but I still need a bit of milk for fat. <laughs> and I burst up laughing, all the emotions in one place. I thought at a time a year ago that 2020 was absolutely the most difficult year of my life. But then my family got COVID, and while everybody ended up okay, had some lingering mental hurdles to clear throughout the winter and the early spring. Then in the fall, I broke my ankle so badly I had to be rushed to a hospital. Picture Dak Prescott's injury with a foot pointing the wrong way. I'd say you helped me get through these events, and while your show was there throughout it all, you've always been there going back to my college days 20 years ago. Yeah, you've been there for me, except for those blasted breaks from Monday Night Football. I've appreciated every step of the way. Thanks for the memories, and shout out to Carla Carrado, who I met through your show. She's the best. Colin McKinnon in Denver, Colorado, sends a picture of a, a Subaru in Colorado, the license plate is holistic. How pretentious is that? How pretentious is that? Well, it came from, with. From Kurt in Worland, Wyoming. Have you ever had a coffee maker whose lip didn't drip when you poured it? I'm 43. I've yet to find one. You know what's more annoying? Subaru drivers. So high and mighty. I bet they use a Keurig. That guy regrets making it for all the plastic thrown in the ocean. Every time they board up their canoes, they run in place for 15 minutes. Single-use pour-over. Brian Older in Goodyear, Arizona. I always enjoy the weekly segments with Jason Lock and Four. His knowledge and insight of the NFL is second to none. 
It's always a great laugh when he would sign off with his Baltimore accent prior to a copper needing ACL surgery. I feel a sort of kinship to Jason after last week's podcast when he mentioned his desire to foster dogs. My family and I have been volunteering and fostering our local Mastiff Rescue for several years. During that time, we fostered well over 50 dogs, including two cane Corso puppies that we currently have in our home. It's truly rewarding to care for these creatures until they find their forever homes. Having said that, I'd like to be named official dog foster of the Tony Kornheiser show <clears throat> before Lock and Four can beat me to the punch. Done. I would ask that my wife share in this designation, but she thinks you're a dope, so I'll keep it for myself. Well, she's not wrong. Part. Patrick Sitter in Sioux Falls, which I assume is Sioux Falls, South Dakota, I assume. Some recent developments on the pod have been unsettling. First, you come out as a secret Swifty, which I didn't even know what that meant. Then you make the stunning announcement that you tried and liked some pumpkin pie. What's the next time bomb you're going to drop on us? You bought a Subaru? I don't think so. <laughs> P.S. If you think Tiger Woods' three-second golf swing clip broke the internet, your pumpkin news obliterated it. Just wait till the PNC <clears throat> Catherine song. Burns right. in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm not traveling to Valkenburg anytime soon, though I hear the Christmas market is lovely. I am simply writing a request you add the message below to the TK Show time capsule and break it out at some completely random, indeterminate point in the future for the edification and confusing of future readers. Emma Thompson is Kenneth Branagh's first wife. The movie with Kevin Kline and William Hurt and Glenn Close is the big chill. You're welcome, Michael. <laughs> P.S. Mitch Album has a piano and definitely does know how to play it. Here's a haiku on the power of a good deal. And this is from Shad, of course. The coupon junkie. Satisfaction with a buzz when the deal goes down. Yes. We'll do one more from Rich Johnson in Las Vegas who writes, where every day is zip, quarter zip season. I know with a combination of amusement and outrage, the news that Reginald was banned from the city of Las Vegas yes. after getting kicked out of Circus Circus, the Bellagio, and other casinos on the Strip. Here's a fun Vegas fact that few know and fewer care about. The Strip, the most prominent part of Las Vegas, is not in the city of Las Vegas. It is in Clark County, and the distinction is more than trivial. It's historic. When Bugsy Siegel wanted to expand his existing casino, the El Cortez, city leaders said, no, we don't want your kind here. Clark County, on the other hand, said, come on down, and thus was the genesis of the Flamingo and subsequently the demise of Bugsy. Mm -hmm. While Bugsy is long gone, former Mayor Oscar Goodman is alive and well and the producer of a podcast that is recorded inside Oscar's Steakhouse at the Plaza Hotel and which frequently features the former mayor. I can personally vouch for his viability and his ongoing desire to have selected people whacked. I can also state with certainty that nobody, after winning big, suddenly shouted out, Unincorporated Clark County, baby. <laughs> By the way, Michael, speaking of, of uh, the coupon I got, I got a lovely note from Jay Whitby, one of the great golfers, a winner of the Delaware Open oh. in past, and great golfer. Your membership has been suspended. No, what he said was, I got that because I participated in a survey from the membership about some plan to it's throw surveys. money at something some great years course. back. And, they, and that, that's how I got that. He says it's perfectly legitimate. Now, I don't know. I haven't gotten my bill yet. So I don't know if they took it off or they didn't take it off. But it's legit. But thanks to Jay Whitby, you know, for pointing that out and for listening as well. Uh, if you're out on your bike time, everyone, as always, do wear white. You want to talk real customers? Kid, that's me. I'm like the mayor of Dunkin's. This is the face of Dunkin' Donuts right there. All alone I'm waiting on no 
caves at the bottom of the ocean will never be there still. I know I'm waiting on no one. Do they wait on me? Star-crossed lovers in a cut to the bone will never be there still. And you came without a warning By the time I could realize You were so sure couldn't take anymore It's just a matter of time
Everything to me And if it does 